Welcome to Rank and Review. My name is Larry Parsons. I am your host and random Canadian. On this episode, my returning guest, Jared Barry, and I are going to discuss six films on the subject of sci-fi horror. Uh, we've got a, an interesting group and mix of films, and I hope you'll enjoy it. And I hope you'll be prepared for the fact that there may be some spoilers for the films involved, and there will definitely be some harsh language used. So, uh... Delicate ears may want to shy away, but uh, the rest of you, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Rank and Review. Thank you so much for listening. All right, Rank and Review episode. 14 we're gonna call this uh, uh, and this is uh, terror from space or sci-fi scares we're mm-hmm. calling it we're gonna look at films on the subject of uh, menace from other worlds yeah. uh, um, I know when I was a little kid I, I had sort of the same sort of fears of stuff coming from the sky or aliens landing but uh, for me it was more about disasters from space like a comet smashing like a comet into earth or some sort of everything in volcano yeah or, a cosmic event yeah. that we had no control over no possible say in just coming down and wiping us out uh, as far as aliens are concerned I've always well I'm skeptically minded about it I mean not that I don't think there's life in space but that I think that whatever that life is most assuredly that exists out there probably looks nothing like us and mm-hmm. you know uh it seems like in every story you hear about people who claim to see aliens they're always about our size they always have two arms and the two humanoid, legs like, they're always humanoid yeah. and uh yeah i believe they're probably more like insects or some of the aliens we deal with here where it's like sort of sluggy just you know not human some kind of life form we just don't understand all those gas planets who knows maybe there's living things inside of that that we just don't well or like even Neptune like you know if you dig like 10 kilometers deep it's vast oceans right it's not the ice barrier anymore so to think of something that maybe doesn't breathe oxygen or but can live in these vast oceans under these massive glaciers that surround the entire planet that's potentially what it is it's probably a fish frog of some sort yeah you know so, as a rule, I've never been really overly horrified by the <gasps> concept of little green men oh, coming to take over the world. You've never lived. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I do totally get it as, yeah. uh, as a means. And um, I do prefer my aliens to be aggressive, uh, you know. E.T. No e. 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 is welcome to return home and stay there. <laughs> 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 I don't like the cuddly, friendly aliens, you know. You I didn't like, like Paul? <laughs> 
Well, I, I guess I superficially liked Paul, yeah, but yeah, uh, I would have liked him more if he also was a bit bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he had claws. <laughs> yes. Um, so, should we talk about the seven oh, movies? Oh, for sure. That we're gonna look at? Uh, we have the Ridley Scott classic Alien. We have uh, Event Horizon. Uh, the 1978 version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. uh, Slither, uh, Starship Troopers, and The Faculty. Um, all on the subject of aliens coming down and causing problems on the Earth, but that's probably the only thing that they really uh, have in common. They're all mm-hmm. pretty different. I guess there's going to be some crossover with it, Body was- Snatchers and... Uh, Faculty. I was going to say, uh, for the most of it, you could have even titled this episode Under Your Skin. Yeah. Because <laughs> at some point in time, there's an alien inside of somebody in a probing sort of, or birthing sort of way, you know? Yeah, there is a weird sexuality, too. Yes. <laughs> aliens always want to get uh, up in our arses for some well, reasons. Uh, you know, or in our ears when we're sleeping, which oh, yes. sounds like a frat party. No, that, that'll probably go down from my scarred from childhood scary aliens. I remember in uh, in Star Trek Two and Wrath of Khan, they were putting, God, the they worms. were putting bugs in the, these guys' yeah. ears. And uh, as a little kid, I was not cool with that. No, and that because I would give you a wet willy and overreact. Yeah. Um, so uh, why why did you decide that uh, sci-fi was going to be your next? Um, the first two ones were really dark. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're really There's dark. There's some actually fun movies in this the, list. There is, there is, and yeah, that's the thing. Is like, uh, a, I, I do like sci-fi movies. Um, still reminds me of when I used to like watch some of these old like 1960 sci-fi movies, like with my uh, like horror movies with my grandpa and grandma. They'd be playing cards or whatever, but I'd be in the like their living room watching like old reruns of these like 60s 70s. invasion of the saucer people exactly you know like plates on strings and things like that black and white and, and like i just i don't know aliens are awesome and out of the list of sci-fi movies that i personally enjoy or the genre the idea of the sort of like these like these aliens seem like such an awesome list you know yeah most of these aliens are sort of creaturey, monstrous aliens. Um, not a lot of humanoid. Yeah, not a lot of the hyper-intelligent thing. I think that's part of the real scares of yeah. some uh, alien thing coming to Earth. You know, uh, If they can get here and they can fly back to their home, they're obviously more advanced than we are. So yeah, they're we are clearly already uh, at, a, at a disadvantage. <laughs> we no longer are at the top of the food chain or any sort of chain. So we for were... the purposes of our entertainment, I like our aliens to be hostile. But if yeah. we were to really encounter aliens, I would like them to be, you know, on a mission of mercy or yeah. <laughs> Unconditional love yeah. and high fives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good news that the, there are aliens and we're here to help. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, not for these movies. These ones we have monsters for the most part. Yes. Uh, even uh, with the exception, again, of Body Snatchers and Slither, not even much intelligence to these uh, creatures. Super like. basic, which I thought was more terrifying than anything. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, anything else you want to say before we get started? Nope. Let's do it. Rank and review it. Let's do it.
Okay, so uh, Alien in in 1979, uh, Ridley Scott had come out with a couple of movies before this, uh, The Duelists uh, and uh, another minor film, which names escapes me, but uh, I don't think Ridley Scott became Ridley Scott <laughs> until <laughs> Alien hit the theaters. Yeah. Um, for the time that this movie was made, uh, it's still, like, it's an incredible feat. Yeah. Uh, there are some elements of it that I think look a little bit dated when watching today, but 90% of it would stand today if yeah. it was released in theaters today as a new movie. I mean, it's... Minimal imp- changes, any sort of touch-up. They just mix the sound again, probably. It is impressively, impressively put together. Um, and one of the many things to admire about it is how real this feels, this world that we're introduced to. Um, just a brief run at the plot. This is a fairly familiar movie to horror fans, but uh, uh, the crew of a uh, mining ship, the Nostromo, are headed home when uh, they intercept a beacon. Beep. Beep. <laughs> and they are awoken from their cryosleep to go investigate it. And... They do so, and uh, bad things happen, and they end up bringing an alien on board their ship. And, yeah, that's basically what we're looking at. Uh, Jared Berry, please let me know. What did you think of Alien? I love Alien. (laughs) Alien 1 and Alien 2 are awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome movies. Uh, It had actually been a while since I saw Alien again. Um, I remember 90% except for the ending, and then I was like, you know, once you sort of, you know, see the ending again, I was like... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sort of brought me back to that kid place. But, uh, no, Alien was awesome. And uh, for a lot of, you know, the scary movies that I watch, I like to say that I'm pretty desensitized to most things, and yet I still found jumps in Alien. And I've seen this movie probably at least 12 times, you know, and for me to still find those little corners of darkness and uncertainty and things like that and, like, holding your breath, that was awesome. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, this is a classic movie. So good. I mean, it's... It, I think this is one of the things... One of the many things that this movie accomplished is that... I think maybe to a large extent before Alien, there were horror movies and there were science fiction yeah. movies. But Alien was the one that sort of perfected the idea of the sci-fi, sci-fi horror. horror monster film. Yeah, yeah, this is a monster movie in space. Yeah. Um, and it's an amazingly well-made monster movie in space. The creature designed by H.R. Uh, Geiger, uh, apparently toned back, apparently it was even more sexual-looking <laughs> uh, in like its original boobs. design. Uh, he's, well, again, it's a weirdly male, sort of phallic-looking head and yeah. mouth thing to it, but it's sort of got that weird sleekness. <laughs> uh, Geiger's really into, you know, yeah. putting the uh, genitalia into his work and making it monstrous and horrific. and erotic. Uh, Have you ever looked down there? It's uh, again. It's <laughs> if we want to get Freudian about the alien franchise, we can because uh, you know there's a lot of very male sexualized in the in the visualization yeah. of the alien, yeah. and yet it's the queen hive the mother. Queen hive mother. So yeah. it's like it's a, a female penis, the most terrifying monster ever imagined. <laughs> But anyway, I went way down a rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) Not a topic. Uh, But I do think, yeah, like I was saying, this movie kind of really invented sci-fi horror. Yeah. uh, And not enough good things can be said to that effect. Yeah. Uh, I think when we move on to Aliens, it's much more of an action, science Mm -hmm. fiction sort of movie. 
this movie is a horror movie. This movie definitely belongs, you know, it's set in outer space, but it means to scare you, not wow you. Yeah. In the traditional sense of science fiction, of this being, you know, uh, about other things other than the stories telling about it or projecting what our technology may lead us to no not so much yeah. but in suspense and in scaring us absolutely uh, the other two things of course that the alien brought to the board uh was the female action hero yeah sigourney weaver i mean she, she... she's an amazon of a woman and like <laughs> she had the fitting of an action hero yeah she really is like a don't fuck with me character and uh she's smart until we're gonna get to, we're gonna talk about the business with the cat but uh, yes. she's a she's a smart survivor throughout the film um and uh that again was a relatively rare thing to see in the theaters in 1979 yeah and the most famous thing that alien brought to the table would be john hurt mm-hmm. uh interrupting the lunch meal of pasta uh by having an alien burst out of his chest I wish, I mean, I don't remember what how I reacted the first time I saw it, because I saw this movie when I was way too young. Pure horror. <laughs> but I, I would love to, you know, have uh, my, my memory of this movie erased and sit in a theater and, and, and watch this time. movie and see that scene for the first time, because, wow, so yeah. much of this movie is just breaking new ground, and uh, wow. And people try and recreate it, but it still looks more terrifying in this movie uh, even with the dated effects than it does in a lot of these movies like you get a lot of pop-outs in other movies now but it's, it's just not the it's not the same at all I even have a alien shirt where it looks like the inside of my chest and the little <laughs> alien sits there and it's a one day until your burst day burst day <laughs> burst day very clever pun he's a very cute little alien and I was just like I love that shirt but it was it is terrifying still um, another of the many things that I will say positive about this movie is yeah. the cast. Uniformly, very, very strong. Solid. And they look like people, like normal people, like yeah. you and I. This isn't a bunch of Barbie dolls in space, you know. I mean, I like uh, attractive uh, superstars, you know. Scarlett Johansson can be in as many movies as she wants, as far as I'm concerned. She's a terrible photographer, though. <laughs> do you see those new pictures of her? I, I do just, not. I do not. She just doesn't know angles in her exposure. At some point, we'll do a Scarlett Johansson movie, and as research, I will necessarily <laughs> have to look at those. My point is, is that they like to populate movies with pretty people, yeah. uh, and, and especially in the sci-fi movie genre, they're very guilty of this. I find and, sleek space suits. You know, Harry Dean Stanton does not have a large female fan base. I don't think. Uh, you know, Yafet Kodo's super cool dude, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, not a heartthrob. You know, no one has a poster of Yafet Kodo up on their wall. Uh, uh, Veronica Cartwright, who we're going to talk about again, actually, in uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, uh, really great actress, and she just looks like someone you'd see at a, in a shopping mart or something exactly. like that. Just real people in a really horrible situation. I love yeah. that approach. For some reason, the stakes seem higher to me. Like they, When the people seem more relatable to me. I'm well, like, the other thing, too, is I feel that in Hollywood, they try and keep a lot of beautiful people on as much screen time as possible yeah. to wow us. When they look like regular people and not the people you would idolize as being like absolutely like the most gorgeous or perfect, I think 
these people can die at any moment. Yeah. Oh, and the stakes for that makes me think, yeah, like... I don't want to say that Sigourney Weaver is unattractive. I think Sigourney Weaver in her pride was a very attractive woman. And, I mean, we did get the she sequence... Aliens, despite yeah. of how, how badass she was in Killing Aliens, we did get the long sequence of her, you know, in the smallest underwear ever made for film. Yeah. <laughs> they shrunk in cryo. <laughs> you know? Um... But again, uh, a lot of staples of the monster movie are here. There's yeah. something vulnerable about a person in jeopardy, and the uh, you know if they're naked or in their underwear, that makes them feel all the more vulnerable. Well, and it's interesting too because I mean it's similar to movies like Jaws, where uh, you know they're sort of stuck in a location. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're in a space on their way. They're in space on their way home. They're on a ship, and there's an alien on board. You can't just leave. Like you can't just you know, escape that situation necessarily. And so you're you're locked in a closet with the monster that like used to hide under your bed. Oh, no. The sci fi scenario solves a lot of problems that oh. modern technology takes from into horror movies. It's really hard to isolate people in a realistic way on yeah. our planet. With cell phones and yeah. anything like that, you're like, well, why didn't they just call the cops? GPS positioning. Oh, you know, you know they're, they're not getting their data plan or whatever, you know. No, yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of space, and you have a bug on your ship, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Uh, the Their enemy is a very potent one. The acid, it has acid for blood. Um, Silver teeth when they come out, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we should, it's worth mentioning that the, for the purpose of this review, we were talking about the director's cut. Yeah. Um, one of the major differences, I think the most significant for me uh, in the director's cut that we didn't get in the theatrical, was Tom Skerritt, who plays the captain of the, tr- the crew, who's sort of our sort of shock death halfway through the film. He bravely goes into the pipes to help seal the alien in, and uh, the alien pops up behind him, and that's the last we see of him in the uh, theatrical mm-hmm. version. Uh, in the director's cut, we see him potted up and Ooh. having been impregnated, and he knows that he's going to launch another alien. Um, this was really interesting to me in that, uh, I mean, I was surprised that they cut such a good sequence and yeah, special it was very well sequence. done. Uh, nothing wrong with the performance or the execution at all. And it also impressed me that, uh, that element was carried over into Aliens. Clearly, uh, yeah. James Cameron read that part of the script or heard that part of the concept because he employed that to a wonderful degree in, in Aliens. Aliens, yeah. Um, so I really I liked seeing him uh, up in there and, and learning a little bit more about the alien, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I think you know it does lose the punch of just seeing Dallas yeah. Captain Dallas just disappear from the movie just unceremoniously wiped from the board that early. Yeah. Um, it, it, at the time, you know, it, when it came out again, it was probably more more of a, a shock. I think nowadays we sort of start to suspect that the character that's leading them into the into the dark woods who knows their way around is the character who necessarily will have to die first. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. The most uh, useful person has to be killed. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, adds to the horror yeah, and the exactly. peril and raising the stakes. Um, other than that, basically the stuff that was added for the director's cut was basically character development and I didn't I didn't begrudge a stitch of it. Nope. It wasn't one of these bloated director's cuts that actually did the movie any harm. Yeah. Um, if I have a beef with this movie, and uh, it's a minor sort of nitpicky thing, uh, we talked about it briefly a few days ago, uh, it's the business with Ripley going back for her pussycat. I loved it. <laughs> no, I we know. We disagree I on know. this. Um, I get that she's now by herself and she doesn't want to deal with this long, terrifying journey. 
but every member of her crew has died, some of them horribly in front of her just a few moments ago. She's on the lifeboat. She can leave. I think humans, basic human survival would dictate that I'm sorry, Pudi Tat. I'm so sorry, Pudi Tat, but I'm not going to go back for my cat. <laughs> she may hate herself for it for the rest of her life, but I think basic human survival skills means staying alive trumps rescuing cat. But here's here's one point. I'm also I, a dog person. I, yeah, I say, <laughs> but like I think Sigourney Weaver has bigger balls than anyone <laughs> I have ever seen on screen, and I believe. That she'd be like, I might be scared right now, but right now I just don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing too is, she makes the effort to take her cat with her on the ship. Mm-hmm. She cannot. She's going back to Earth. She knows she's going back to Earth. She can have it cryogenically frozen there on Earth and wait for a return. But she makes the conscious effort to bring this as one of her carry-on items. And when you see those like little tiny bedrooms, they are so tiny and minuscule. But to her, for some reason, this seemed. Like, the most important thing that she had to bring with her. Mm. She had it frozen with her. In my mind, that makes me think that it's not even just a trivial pet. Uh, She might be, you know, the crazy cat lady from Earth. (laughs) But when she's working, she's she's like a woman on the rigs just like, you know, like swinging dicks and just fucking being awesome. But, like, I think that, yeah, the potential she would have went back for a cat. And cinematically and story wise, had she not have gone back for the cat, the audience would have hated her. The audience would have not liked the movie because if there's one thing we don't like to see as an audience is when animals and generally small children are involved in harm's way. Adults, free, fair game. College kids, fair game. High school kids. Oh no, we all have a great laugh when Casper Van Dien gets cut in half in Sleepy Hollow. (laughs) High fives all around. Yeah, but if a little kid gets it... Shit, that's not cool. That's not cool, man. You went to a dark place. <laughs> I don't know. Again, it's a small nitpicky thing, and you know what? It's full of archetypal monster movies. Yeah. There are scenes of people walking slowly down the dark hallway. Uh, you know, the Harry Dean Stanton death, where he's looking for the kitty cat, is yeah. just like, <laughs> in it's a way, classic. it should be. It's classic, but in a way, it should be outrageous. Like, why are you doing this? You know, something terrible is on this ship, yeah. and you're in the biggest, creepiest, darkest, dripping, chain hanging room. Like, okay, but it completely works. It completely works. It's an archetype of the monster movie yeah. genre. And going back to rescue somebody in the third act as your final sort of suspenseful sequence is also standard monster movie fare. We're going to see it again when we talk about aliens, right? When she goes back to rescue Newt. I get it. I get it. I just think that the stakes would be higher if she was going back for a person for some reason. Oh, they'd be, yeah, potentially be higher. But one other point, though, and we just talked about this before, is like the idea of survival. And like just that uh, now that Calgary seems to be flooding at this moment. (laughs) And I was just talking about the guy who was like, his truck's being carried down the street and he tried to escape with his cat. And his cat got drifted away from him. And he jumped into this heavy, currented stream to try and swim and save his cat. Clearly not a smart idea. And I'm thinking... We love our pets. We love our pets. I understand the idea of facing that long journey home alone. Yeah. Would not be good. But she also planned to put herself to sleep. So she would have slept all the way home. Uh, I said it was a minor nitpicky thing. My my (laughs) one nitpicky thing about the movie itself uh, is some of the set... 
Yeah. Um, I find it with a lot of things that when I talk about Event Horizon, I know it's going to come up again, but it's this idea of the spaceship. Now I get that it's a mining vessel, and yeah, I've worked in industrial areas, and that sort of big titany, like iron clad, like you know, built like a brick house or whatever. It, it looks, it's um, it's a very strong idea, and it makes sense that a big mining spaceship would look like that. However, there's so much uh, little bolts and angles that they enter into these things to give these hallways depth and the, these like textures as the light hits them. It becomes so visually distracting sometimes that uh, I think that sometimes they'd be a little bit more effective if they were just a little bit simpler. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess I see what you're saying. For for me, I just thought the production design was serving the horror aspect of the film as much as possible. It's like as much as the ship was designed for mining, it was also designed to film a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Um, but yeah, the long and the short of it is that Alien is fantastic. Awesome movie. Fantastic awesome movie. <laughs> This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! All right, um, Event Horizon. Directed by Paul Anderson. There's a... There's a lot of directors with the last uh, name Anderson. Anderson and named Paul? Yeah. <laughs> um, PTA, PA. PA Anderson, PTA Anderson, um, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'll ever confuse Wes Anderson with Paul Anderson. Uh, he's largely... Less jib shots. <laughs> yeah. He's large. Basically, most of his career has been dedicated to the Resident Evil franchise. But yeah. he also took time out to shit the bed with Aliens vs. Predator. Um, he's done a couple of others. Oh, don't hold back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, he does movies that have usually one or two incredible light show, special effect action sequences, but are empty as hell. Um, I think that Event Horizon is probably his best film. That said, I don't think it's that great. No, it's not great. Um, there's been, you know, probably a dozen Paul Anderson movies, and there'll be a dozen more. But some part of me to, thinks that Event Horizon will remain his best feature. Um, he seems so wrapped up in making visuals that are cool and awesome. That, that story is not script concerned. and casting and everything else kind of falls secondary. In the case of Event Horizon, which is a uh, 
a story about a, a, a rescue team who was sent to find a spaceship that uh, had gone missing for several years called the Event Horizon. And uh, when they get there, they find that the crew is all dead and that the ship seems to either be haunted or alive or some such nonsense. Some shit. Um, decent enough set, set up. This movie is borrowing heavy This from Alien, which we just talked yep. about. Um, as far as, you know, long metallic uh, hallways and... Uh, it was worse than Alien. <laughs> much worse than Alien. Sp- they added spikes to everything. Yeah. The, 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 the doors had, had spikes? Yeah, like, I don't get it. Every room had spikes and I was like if your gravitational pull was lost for a second you would be impaled yeah um they spend some time setting up the world and showing us these guys they're not mercenaries they're they're rescue workers but they sort of run a somewhat military vibe to them yeah Jolie Anderson is, is in the cast Sam Neill who is hot off Jurassic Park yeah Sam Neill uh, and uh, uh I will always call him Larry Fishburne <laughs> uh, is, is in the film as the ship's captain um, I think that on a concept level it's good we were talking about how they should not remake um, good movies they should remake bad, bad movies, movies. Yeah. this is like a movie that would be prime for a remake as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned conceptually, story wise there's some good ideas to play with uh, what if some amazing spaceship that was trying to figure out a way to bend space to to, to travel somehow matter. opened up to another dimension or, for the sake of argument, opened up into hell? They a managed, gateway. They managed to find a gateway into hell. Uh, what would that look like? What would that do to the ship? What would people who came upon the ship encounter? Yeah. Cool enough. Yeah, and to, it, to me it had a lot of H.P. Lovecraft love affair at that point with just concept where it's like oh yeah they open up to another world and the chaos and the and the fire and the things they saw made them go insane and blind with all this it like yeah it felt very much with this romantic love affair but I, I liked the idea of them being out in space and once again being sort of locked in the situation yeah I think that for me uh, what takes away from the movie is that a lot of beats are hit very very harsh oh, like a uh, sledgehammer yeah um the one character who's the mother character who, you know, who says, I'm sorry, I know I told you I'd try and get your time off, but uh, just this one last trip. One last oh, trip. that's okay. My ex-husband will take the boy for Christmas. I get to have him all summer, right? Yeah. You are so dead, right? Um, there's so many things like this that are, are hit very, very hard. Yeah. Hard. The backstory that Lawrence Fishburne has is that uh, he will never leave a man, man behind, behind again. Because in in his past, he he watched a guy burn to death because he sealed the door because he had to do it. Yeah. This this redemption theme was set up very 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 Thick. very very thickly. Very thickly. Which uh, you know. It's a familiar aspect to this type of movie, so yeah. you expect it to some degree, but you don't expect it that heavy-handed. And then uh, the reverse of that also takes place, and I'm talking here about the Sam Neill character, yeah. who is completely, completely sane until they get to the ship, 
and then he is completely, completely crazy. And they don't telegraph that at all. I mean, no, uh, he just go, he just flips a switch. It's like I was crazy he, this whole time and screwing with you until I got here. And ha! He he missed his wife who is who died. Clearly, they they set up that he had a past with his his wife being dead. But like, he basically becomes a villain. As much as the yeah. ship is supposed to be the villain, he's, he's actively he's, helping the. He's evil. like the embodiment of the ship's evilness. And that was not set up at all. Where they would have heavy-handedly set up all these other little. You know, fun character notes. Um, they did not bother with their main villain. Strange choice. You know what I did notice though about the movie? We were talking about how we thought it was due for a remake. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminded me a lot of Sunshine. In many, there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. And uh, I don't presume to say Danny Boyle ripped off a story like Event <laughs> Horizon, but um, but I mean, it just it had. The you know going out to space things get a little crazy yeah uh, and the further like they got in the sun to sunshine the weirder things got and reality started to yeah. bend and this well, one's the I deep would space. agree that they're all related I mean alienist related to Event Horizon Event Horizon incestuous cousins to sunshine is a much better movie than Event Horizon yeah. I think um, I don't know there there's just like I say it, there's a lot of stuff that looked great there was great sequences um, but. I just uh, I didn't I, feel it. I I was not I was not checked into it at one moment of the movie, and that was that made me sad because I love Sam Neill. Yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Park is amazing, but I just and like him being the villain and clawing his eyes out and yeah. being able to run around and track people down as he's completely blind, but the ship is giving him weird possession power. It, it was stupid, and the spikes, my yeah. God, man. <laughs> the spikes were everywhere. They go in the room with the gate, and it's an t- entirely spherical room covered with these impaling spikes. <laughs> and I get that it was like this sort of like machine that could bend physics of time, whatever, but they didn't have like, you know, they didn't have atoms or any sort of like neutrons or whatever being fired from these spikes. Like, you know, there's no function to them. Other than, than looking nasty. Oh yeah, it's it's like if a if a, one of these like spaceships went to like a super grunge band in the like you know, or like a super punk band in like the seventies yeah. and stuff like that, and just like had the spikes on their leather jacket. Yeah, I think that the that the script was like I say, sound in concept, I, uh, and I uh, maybe I'm being unfair. I to say blame maybe this. story. But yeah. I don't. I, I for some reason I want to blame this all on Anderson. It's like I say, anything I've seen of his is style as substance. Yeah. Uh, the later into the career, his career goes, the less he seems to care about. It's coherent, incoherent. Most yeah. of them. Uh, most of the Resident Evil movies don't even bother with the beginning, middle, and ending. It's like no, just action, action, middle chapter, middle chapter, middle so chapter. Um, this this movie does have a, a, a beginning, middle, and end, but. He seemed to spend a lot of time on the cool action set pieces and the special effects and kind of rush through and sloppily handle some of the character stuff, which is unfortunate. There's some good... It's, like I say, there a decent cast. Some... There's a British, a lot of British actors in here, too. Yeah. Sean Pertwee and Jolie Richardson are in here. Um, Jolie Richardson would seem to have a large role. She's one of the survivor characters, but what do we know about her? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing important, at least. Nothing important. Almost all of her dialogue is, go to this place. Yes, sir. Uh, this is what the problem is. Okay, we have to try and solve it. We don't get to know her at all. No. And she, it's kind of a mistake, because we spend increasingly more and more time, time with, with her. her. And she's a good actress. I yeah. mean, she, she plays the hand that she's dealt as best she can. Um, but 
There's a few missing pieces here, and I think if those pieces were put in, that would be solid. Yeah. Uh, like I say, uh, it borrows from what came before, but uh, that's kind of unavoidable. Yeah. I think if you make uh, a science fiction movie, you're going to be borrowing from Ridley Scott. And if you make a science fiction horror movie, you're definitely going to be borrowing from Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he, that, that's just the way it works. Gold star. Uh, but, yeah, this is... It is yeah. a little unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, it's weird because I, I feel like we're kind of in the minority about this. So a lot, uh, of people, a lot of people seem to love this movie, yeah. and I was recommended it so highly from people, and I'm just like... I saw I it in the theaters in the 90s, and I was like, meh. I just didn't... And, and no. uh, I revisited it, I don't know, what I, five or six years ago, and uh, my opinion of it didn't change that much. It's kind of cool seeing these cast these people again and they've all kind of gotten up there now yeah <laughs> I just I mean but I mean I also knew assholes who told me that Resident Evil movies were awesome <laughs> so and they're the same ones going to see Fast and the Furious 6 or whatever the shit they're yeah, at the I, I, I bitch about Resident Evil movies but I'm part of the problem because I'm a sucker for a big budget zombie movie I, just because you know there's going to be at least a couple shots that are redeemable yeah. like that Italian one zombie where the zombie bites the shark yeah, exactly. I bought that movie specifically for that shot well you cut together the greatest hits of the Resident Evil movies and uh, it still won't be a good movie but it'll no. be watchable and with probably, Samila Jovovich yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe if this movie had Mila Jovovich in it, uh, <laughs> it would be better. But as it stands, no. In this crop of movies, Event Horizon is pretty weak. Yeah. They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. Matthew! Matthew! Wake the others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. Okay, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, this is directed by Philip Kaufman um, from 1978. Um, this is the second run at the uh, story, uh, the Body Snatchers, based on the novel by that Jack Finney. Um, the original was obviously sort of playing on the communist threat. The communist threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, losing Sexualism. the identity to some sort of, you know... Individualist American. Yeah, sudden, sudden thing overtaking the populace and changing them for what they think is for the better, but they only think that because they've been changed. Yeah, their souls have been sucked in. Um, I'm going to just come right out of the gate saying that I fucking love I, it's this awesome. movie. Um, it's very 70s. It's got that, that mid-late 70s aesthetic of a movie that really takes its time but is very deliberate. Yeah. It's got all sorts of bizarre angles and uh, sequences where they, uh, you know, yeah. overlaying uh, information of audio while we're seeing people walking down the streets. Um, great setups where we see the environment when it's normal and over the series of the three nights see that environment change subtly each night to being normal, to being a nightmare. Um, 
the basic setup for the story is uh, we, we open on these spores drifting down from outer space and uh, uh, at first attaching itself to plants and producing pods. And uh, we meet Donald Sutherland, who uh, works yeah, for yeah. the uh, health industry. Uh, he checks out restaurants, making sure that they're up to code and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and uh, he has a huge crush on his married co-worker, and I understand him having a crush on her because I have a crush on her too. Yeah, she's Brooke she's Adams. Babe. She's super hot, and uh, uh, she's around a lot. She does a lot of horror movies too. She's in like The Dead Zone, and oh, sometimes oh, I, I come back. Oh, and yeah. uh, if you, uh, there's this uh, Nazi zombie movie called Shockwave. She's so attractive. In that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a really great relationship between the two of them, where he's in love with her and she knows it, but they are friends. Yeah. Uh, right, and um, she's taken. She yeah. won't entertain the idea because yeah. her husband. She around. has a husband that she's she's devoted to. Yeah, uh, but you know she likes having this friend. Yeah, uh, great great dynamic. Uh, and uh, she comes to her good work buddy and says that her husband is no longer her husband and is acting very oh. strange, oh, which is of course oh. music to his ears. You yeah, know? he's like, oh yeah, you had me. He's not my husband. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to spend more time with me, then that would be fine. Yes. Um, but she's not delusional. She's not just having a midlife crisis. You know, her husband isn't having an affair. He's a pod person. Yes. Uh, that was a legit concern uh, of hers. With ha- the, the basic modus operandi of the creatures is when you fall asleep, the pods leak tendrils, which basically read your information of your body, create a complete copy of you in the pod. Your body disappears, and an identical body is spit out of this pod that is knows everything you know, has your all of your knowledge and ability, just minus the emotions. Um, and it starts very slowly. The movie yeah. snowballs effects. I mean, uh, it's very engaging throughout. I don't want to scare people oh, away no. from the movie. Absolutely. But it's a two-hour movie, and I think it's probably not until the hour point where shit really starts going full bore as far as action and... Uh, Sequences of suspense. Basically, we spend a lot of time seeing society fall apart. Well, and for anyone in this who likes movies that were based in the 60s and 70s, I don't think the pacing is an issue. I right. think for someone who's not used to that kind of thing, I think that's when they would find that the dragging and boring and it's not moving fast enough, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm taking over the review, so please give me your impression of the. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you. No, um, it's. Uh, it was it's amazing. Uh, I did see that one as well when I was younger. It was on Space Channel, right? On uh, one of their Friday night movie uh, thing, you know, marathons, and it is, it is, a, it's still a scary movie. Uh, legitimately, the the noises that the pod people make mm-hmm. when a pod is being destroyed, or they're narking out somebody who's not a pod person, just yeah, terrifying, terrifying yeah. sound. Like it's like a pterodactyl, and the face. That they make in these frozen yeah. screaming poses. Crazy, it's like an alarm crazy. call to alert all of the other aliens. And the first few nights, they wouldn't make that noise because no. there's not enough of them yet to warrant it. To warrant it, they don't uh, have the backup. Yeah, you know. Um, one one thing I got, will won't say to warn people: my DVD edition of this shows one of our main characters in the menu screen pointing and making the screen. I know. And I think that is really unfortunate if you haven't seen the movie. I mean, I know we talk spoilers. We may spoil some of the movie here, but 
I, I don't understand from a marketing point of having such a huge spoiler on the menu screen of your movie. It's I, really Honestly, stupid. I think it comes to the fact that it's just like it's been released. People should have seen the story at some point in time, and they assume that you know that that character becomes one. Yeah. I got the special edition two-disc collector set with the hologram thing, and it is the character's face right. in hologram wow. doing that. It's unfortunate. It uh, is. But it has Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, very young, very... Yeah, I love Jeff Goldblum Jeff movies. Goldblum. He and his girlfriend, Veronica Cartwright, uh, work at um, this sort of therapy mud bath place, giving massages and whatnot, and uh, they catch on to what's going on out of luck. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum wakes up before he is completely changed and finds this half-formed version of himself in one of the stalls. And uh, his wife is understandably upset yes. and not knowing who else to call. They call Donald Sutherland's character, who works for the government. And who's also a fan of Spock. Yes. Uh, who, in turn, calls Leonard Nimoy's character, who's yeah. a famous psychiatrist. This is an interesting uh, time. There's on and off in the storied history of psychotherapy, as I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. uh, psychiatrists have been looked on as either very positive influences to society or very Or negative. quack witch doctors. Uh, and I think we're in the sort of quack witch doctor into the social scale in the late 70s here yeah. because uh, a lot of meat uh, in, the, in the script is spent with uh, Leonard Nimoy's character. His sort of cold, detached, analytical voice. Yeah almost does not change at all when he changes. No, exactly. Uh, uh, when he becomes a pod person, spoiler, Spock turns! <gasps> no! Um, there is almost no perceptible difference. He is essentially the same guy. Yeah. He was already that detached from his emotions that they have no idea. Whereas the other people, you can see it more obviously. If you're a head shrinker, you're yeah. already practically a pod person. What I found <laughs> hilarious about it, too, is when you bring up that point, it's that... Uh, he, him as Spock in Star Trek was more human and, <laughs> and had more emotional range than this character. Yeah. And, you know, and it, he, in the beginning, he's sort of Dr. Filling it. He wrote, like, a sort of self-help book sort of scenario. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he's an accomplished author, and so he's the Dr. Phil of things like that. And that level of success also makes him as a quack seem that much more legitimate. You're just like... Never take these assholes seriously. And anytime I see Doctor Phil, you know, you gotta stop hating me and start loving me again. You know, I just I can't take it seriously. And so, yeah, if you can if you can whittle down any mental Ill illness to a catchphrase, then yeah, you'll probably be a millionaire. But I don't know if you're much of a shrink. But the, the other thing too is I found that it's like you know he was supposed to sound like the voice of reason in the group. Correct. However. It's Jeff Goldblum doing what Jeff Goldblum does and just Goldblooming like a motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, he just, he's the, he seems to be the mo one of the more, like, he, he seems erratic and sort of, like, radical, but in a way, like, he was one of the smartest characters. Yeah. You know? Well, and this is, again, I think, uh, telling of the time the movie was made. Uh, basically, he's a, a poet. He's, he's yeah. like... He basically, I get the idea, like, Veronica Cartwright's character runs the business, and he basically... Shows uh, up. He shows up and helps sweep up every now and then, and lives off of her, and is sort of an unsuccessful poet. Yeah. And that's part of the reason he despises the Leonard Nimoy character, because he thinks that, A, the guy's full of shit, and he's really successful for it, where he believes himself to be a true artist, and no one will take his poem 
poem seriously. seriously yeah. He's actually reduced to tears, and it ends with, it's interesting. Those two characters kind of represent uh, different poles, um, yeah. and uh, you know, one of them has uh, a very heroic and uh, you know make, is a sacrificial lamb to help his friends escape, and the other one is so cold and detached that no one even knows when he changed. No. <laughs> as far as we know, he could he have been a pod person the entire movie. Yeah. And that's not a performance issue, actually. I think Nemo is no, really I, good I in think it. that that was... He's doing exactly what no, he's No, I, th- I think that yeah, was one of my favorite performances of him, and it is exactly where he needed to be throughout that movie. <laughs> Ouch to psychotherapy and yay to uh, uh, unemployed poets, but I think if this movie was made today, perhaps those roles would be reversed, and yeah. the unemployed deadbeat poet would be the guy who was uh, working with the pod people, and the shrink would be the hero. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? That kind of was the plot of Invasion, though. Oh, I haven't seen Invasion yet. Okay. Uh, It's not really much of a spoiler, but the hero is like a therapist, pretty much. Nice. So I was like, oh, yeah, that was a weird reversal. But as a movie as a whole, awesome. The effects they had back then... uh, For 78, they still... They look great. uh, Like the little dendrites or tendrils, yeah, that would come out of the pods... Yeah. Uh, when they creep up on people and stuff like that, that those were great. Uh, the scene where uh, <laughs> Donald Sutherland wakes up and sees all the pods of himself and his friends forming in the backyard. He he falls asleep yeah, in a chair yeah. in the backyard because he's so paranoid. And it was lucky for him because he happened to wake up just in the nick of time. But he takes a hoe and bashes in the it's, face of his own pod uh, and this this sort of image of a guy destroying his himself. own himself, you know, really well realized. You know? And they held that camera, and you see the head caving in, yeah. and like very gruesome. And where a lot of other violence was pulled from the movie, yeah, right. Was this really was rough. when they were like they knew they needed to have it. And at that point too, all the pod people, knowing that one of theirs has been destroyed, come, come out of the shadows yeah. and have that like horrified face and that terrifying scream. I noticed a shot in particular in this movie that I think we keep going back to Danny Boyle, which is interesting. Yeah, when they're running cool. from the pod people and their shadow is being cast, cast against the, the, side of the building, there's almost that exact shot of the infected running after uh, people in 28 days later. Yeah. I hadn't even put that together until this last viewing of the movie. Um, so many great little touches. It is. Uh, is it Kevin McCarthy, who is the star of the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, shows up in this movie? As the same character. If you remember, the original Body Snatchers ends with him running out on the road, waving down cars, saying, They're coming! Oh, that was him, yeah. They got the same actor to show up and... uh, Yell that. He's screaming, trying to warn the people of San Francisco that the pod people are coming. They got his town first. Yeah. And, uh, of course, he's a lunatic. Everyone thinks he's crazy, and he ends up getting run over in the street. A great way to tie it to the original and a great sequence. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the... The bum, or just people that we see peripherally in the movie. There's the Asian couple that run the laundry. Yeah. And at first, the one guy's really worried. He's, that's not my wife. Yeah. And then the next day, oh, everything's fine now. As the wife looms behind him. Uh, we see the same bum and his dog, and they get a few coins from some of our cast members. Uh, Donald Sutherland sees that there's a pod, and he's been infected, and he kicks the pod. And later on, we see the result of that is a dog with a human's head on it. Yeah. I saw that when I was a kid, and that just terrified me. It was it's, so scary. I, I mean, it's clearly a dog wearing a mask now, but it'd be, you're so not expecting that to happen that it, it, it is a genuinely this, freaky This last movie. time, I legitimately thought they <laughs> took like a, a photo and they superimposed it. And I was like, 
wow, their motion tracking is good. And then I realized there's a mask near the end of it. Yeah. But at first, uh, I totally believed that it was. And it's a great moment too because they find they can assimilate with these people by just walking and not showing emotion. Yeah. But this woman sees a dog with a human head and she understandably freaks out. Yeah. Which lets everyone know yeah, everyone she's knows. not one of them. The paranoia in this movie is fantastic. The cast yeah. is fantastic. The direction is fantastic. This is like a rare occasion where I think the remake exceeds the original film. Uh, there's been other films made of this. Uh, Abel Ferreira did one in the early 90s, which is not very good. Mm-hmm. I've not seen Invasion. I'd heard it was uh, not that yeah. great. This is clearly the best of this franchise. Yeah. And they can try and remake it again, whatever. I just don't... I, I think this is where it is and where it will yeah. stay. Well, and if they want to make a Body Snatchers movie every 10 years or so, oh, I, 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 I have care. no problem with that, it. by all means. But uh, this is a high measure. It's gold standard. And the other thing, too, is uh, if you look at some of the camera angles, we were talking about Danny Boyle and uh, the, the sort of the, the shadows on the building. Yeah. But if you look at some of the other angles, we have uh, we have a decent amount of uh, shoulder rigs yeah. where there's that, it's sort of a weird, gritty, motiony feel, which, once again, 28 days later, yeah. seem to be a fan of. Um, but also they would tilt the camera on a 45-degree angle. And I know San Francisco is a hilly place, yeah. but... Uh, having tracking panning shots on a 45 degree angle or see silhouettes running through the bottom of a tunnel once again 28 days and I think 28 weeks later has like the silhouettes of the zombies running and you see these like invasion like pod people chasing after our characters and all it is is silhouettes through a tunnel and terrifying uh and for that point in time um when I've looked at other movies around those decades very unique and very different and it added, and the way it was cut, the way it was shot, was visually uh, terrifying and unique, specifically to that time. And so many different levels of scares. Like you say, we got the visceral ick violence when he's yeah. bashing up the monsters with the hoe. But there's also a horrifying sequence where he's calling people uh, to get help. And the operators and the emergency uh, desk people all know his name as soon as they pick up the phone. Yeah. How can we help you, Mr. Bunnell? How yeah. did you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. Uh, like, did they? Okay, did they have a unibrain though? I don't. Uh, I, 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 mean, I didn't think so because I was like, I felt like maybe some would know, but then at other times I was. I like, don't think so because they're able to walk in crowds, and uh, yeah. people have to be looking for them specifically to recognize them. But they have such a good networking system yeah. to know Mister Banal and. And to coordinate all these mobs chasing well, after them? At that point, they knew anything. They, they knew where he was. Like, at that point, he was making the phone calls. Leonard Nimoy had put the pods in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, he was just waiting for them to go to sleep, and they'd be pod people in the morning. But he knew any phone calls that came from that address that they were on, right? Yeah. But, uh, like I say, the weird tilted angles. And this, the sort of overarching tragedy. It's sort of a... There's a, a tragic romance here between uh, Donald Sutherland and, and Brooke Adams, because... Uh, as much as he's in it to save himself and to stop the pod people, this is all about him trying to save Brooke Adams uh, and, you know, rescue her from her deadbeat sports-loving husband and, and let her yeah. take comfort in his arms. I'm sure it was the master plan. And but mustache. Uh, you know, as things get worse and worse, and uh, it, it, the movie ends on an ambiguous but fairly dark tone, I think we can agree, yeah. uh, you know, Every, it seems like he's lost everything, and uh, you know the pod people are loading pods onto boats. That chilling moment where we're listening to bagpipe music, and we're seeing these 
these ships loaded up with pods so that they can carry the the plague across the oceans. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Just what a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> I love, awesome. I love, love, love. Is there anything else that we need to say about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No. <laughs> marry someone, you promise to love them forever. No matter how much, they might change. Baby, what happened to your face? It's just a bee sting. From Universal Pictures. Great, is sick or something? Comes a film so shocking. Uh, we got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. Marriage is a sacred bond, for better or worse. Much worse. I'm a big fan of James Gunn. Yes. Uh, he's the director of the movie we're going to talk about here, Slither. He uh, also has this really bizarre movie called Super, starring mm. Rain Wilson as a dude who decides to become a superhero. After he is touched by God. I recommend you checking it out. It's oh, not sure. a movie for everybody, it but it is definitely a movie for you and I. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Slither. Uh, this movie stars Nathan Fillion. Creamy. <laughs> Star of Firefly and Serenity and now... Uh, uh, Castle? Castle. Uh, Edmonton-born boy. Really? He and I used to shop at the same comic book store. Huh. Never met the man, but uh, we did show the same comic store. I heard him interviewed, and he was talking about Edmonton and the Wee Book Inn, and I was like, oh, that's so awesome! <laughs> anyway, uh, he plays a sheriff of a small town that uh, gets uh, a visitation from outer space in the form of a weird slug creature that uh, infects a character played by Michael Rooker. Mm -hmm. um, and it sets about uh, making some babies and spreading yep. a plague, a very bizarre plague. It includes great variety of things we got uh wormy slugs yeah we got uh sort of possessed uh zombie like people mm -hmm. we've got a giant morphing squid monster yeah um, sort of the mother mother father figure yeah um and then we've got the cast of kooky characters in this small sort of hunting town hunting town <laughs> yeah um this is a fun uh b-movie sort of vibe but very modern and uh it was a huge bomb at the box office. It was, which, I mean, I have to be, I have to admit, like, when I first saw the commercials, I was like, I have no interest in seeing that. That yeah. was stupid. But, you know, it's one of those movies that I'm like, as soon as I picked it up on DVD, yeah. I've watched this movie, I don't know how many times, and I highly recommend it to people. Well, Gunn got the gig because he wrote the remake to Dawn of the Dead. Oh. Um, so this was his the script that he had next, and he wanted to direct it. And uh, I think in a, an ideal world, it would have been a monster hit. People keep on asking, you know, where's our generation's John Carpenter, who does just silly, fun, awesome, awesome you know, popcorn entertainment Cinema. Well, the thing yeah. was scary. Uh, the thing was scary. The thing but, was scary. But I mean, uh, he, you know, but it, Escape from LA. Really, for the most part, uh, he will do straight up horror movies. But Carpenter, I think, his bread and butter is sort of fun, romp, silly kind yeah. of movies that I enjoy. Um, and I think James Gunn has potential to be that. Yeah. Um, and I wish that his movies did better than they did. Both Super and Slither were kind of fairly, yeah, not not a lot of ripples made in the water, but. Um, 
I am a big fan of Slither. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's going to borrow from other genres. It borrows a little bit from the body snatchers. Yeah. You know, uh, it borrows the sort of slug thing really reminds me of an 80s classic called Night, Night of the, the Creeps. Creeps. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, the small town being invaded by uh, alien thing has been done so many times. Wow. But I don't think ever this gross, and I don't think ever this funny. <laughs> well, and like just the mind-altering slug you know, we have, the, you know, con! Like, you know, they put it in the air and things like that in Star Trek. But, like, yeah, this movie was fun. It was an awesome cast. Yeah. Had my homeboy, you know, Dustin Milligan in one hey, scene. <laughs> Canada! <laughs> Yellowknife, though. Hey, it's awesome. The kid from, like, Yellowknife just, like, makes it up in their big leagues. Yeah, no, no. Close enough. Close enough. He's still our boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Was it? And they said that like they they used up uh, like the national supply of like what was it like slime or like some <laughs> sort of like this like prosthetic? No, I believe it. And like it, it was just, I mean, it was fun. It was, you know, it was clever. Michael Roker was a champ. <laughs> you could tell that he, you know, spent makeup, a lot of time in the makeup. A chair. A lot of time in the makeup chair, and like it's just, it was a one of those movies where like out of the list of movies where I'd say like. There's a lot of movies that maybe I thought was like you know best the best movie. Yeah. Uh, the one that I would probably like like one of the ones that I would probably uniformly like give to people and say like you'll like this movie. Yeah. I feel like this is has a wider audience for, than a lot of the movies we're going to review today. Absolutely. Um, like I'm not. It's not going to be at the top of the list for no, me. For sure. But it is very good at being what it is which is a horror comedy yeah. I mean uh, the parts that are funny are really funny and the parts that are scary are quite scary mm-hmm. things work there's also great bizarre moments in the movie uh, uh, there's a zombie deer attack that happens <laughs> yes. at one point uh, the squid monster yeah. uh, the, the, they take to calling it the squid monster <laughs> and they have pictures of squids on the map everywhere little tiny sighted. cartoons <laughs> sticking out like squids <laughs> On the map. Absolutely. Um, there's just lots of little bizarre moments. Um, yeah. And the we have a similar sort of unrequited love relationship between mm-hmm. Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks. She's married to Michael Rooker, a man much older and gruffer than she. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nathan Fillion wishes she was not um, and wants to play the hero to her. Um, Elizabeth Banks has an interesting role in this movie in that uh, she is asked to try to romance this repulsive, throbbing, alien, mushy thing. And she (laughs) did a good job. In my mind, this actually might be my favorite Elizabeth Banks performance. (laughs) She's she's pretty strong in it, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, having to, you know, take that seriously. You know, you walk on a set and you see Michael Roker in a big Jab of the Hut looking prosthetic or something and yeah. you know and, and puppeteers working like tentacles around her and stuff as she's like has to deliver this really dramatic scene tough and committed she tough committed. <laughs> tough challenge 100% commitment I was talking about how the movie goes places you don't expect the first woman who gets infected by Michael Rooker to create the little worms which go on to infect the entire town mm-hmm. she gets impregnated and put in a barn and is being fed raw meat for the first half an hour or so of yeah. the movie and when they find her she is swollen so cartoonishly huge she barely fits in 
the barn. She's a she's an orb. She's the Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> like you know, girl who turns into a blueberry. This is one of the most cartoonish thing cartoonish things I've ever seen in a real movie. Yeah. And yet, in the world of this movie, <laughs> I buy you it. completely accept. There's no question. Anything can happen at any time in this movie, and I love that about yeah. it. You know, we're gonna have a good laugh at the you know shit kicking mayor being a goofball in the one scene, and in the next scene, we're gonna watch an entire family. Get fucking killed. <laughs> yeah, just horribly. And like, like, oh, my, one of my favorite parts was when the one ranch family gets all infected and yeah. the one daughter runs behind Nathan Fillion, right? Mm-hmm. And like, wants protection. It's like, you know, and they all look like these infected zombies. They just don't look well. And yeah. he's like, you know, what, uh, you know, he's like, he's like, what's wrong? He's like, would you believe poison ivy? And the two daughters simultaneous. We're itchy. That's right. I, I it's laugh a funny line and it's creepy. It's creepy and hilarious, <laughs> and that was what I loved about it. And even the even the deer, yeah. the, the the deer possession, it had this very cartoony puppet Muppet feel to it. But I was sold on it yeah. throughout the entire movie. There wasn't a moment where I was like, "Okay, that's just fucking silly." <laughs> yeah, stop that. Stop yeah, that. So that's I, silly. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it, the movie's just fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, the thing I would most compare this to as far as the level of fun and gore and scares is a classic early 90s monster movie called Tremors. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, the, the movie wants to be fun and relatively light, even though there's going to be a body count. But they somehow ride this razor blade thing where they manage to be stupid and serious, serious. and yeah. funny and scary. Yeah. And uh, I think that that done really, really well is rare, which is why it's such a sin that Slither didn't get the audience it deserved when it was released. I was counting down the days for this to be on DVD. It's one of the few movies that, that I, you I paid full to price for, for because yeah. I just was like, uh, I was so in love with how goofy and, you know, dark and funny. I mean, yeah, I guess you say this will please the most amount of people, but I do also understand... It has this weird edginess to it as well. I find in a lot of weird indie Canadian movies, we'll have these scenes that go just a step or two farther than maybe they should. They should have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there's something of that vibe in 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 Slither too. Yeah. But they never tip their hands so much as laugh. They never quite directly wink and look no. at their audience, but they come as close as, as they close can. to it. But I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like I don't know. Firefly had some of that weird wacky humor too that yeah. like and like yeah it was that sort of fun Joss Whedon sort of situation but uh, I had the exact same uh, reaction to Slither when it was first coming out and I saw the advertisements as I did for Cabin in the Woods which is another one of my all time favorite movies now right. uh, is I it looks, I, cheesy, it looks terrible it and cheesy I was expect. yeah and then as soon as uh, I like get anchored down to watch it um, and normally I feel like I'm a very good judge of movies based on the trailers and what I've seen, but these were two movies that came out of nowhere for me and were fantastic. I loved Slither. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, on the strength of his, you know, writing the remake of Dawn of the Dead and Slither, I will watch. I'll watch anything, anything else he makes. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a fan of, of, of Super, like I say. I'm in the minority, I think, in a lot of ways. Like that movie's just a little too weird for your normal, everyday mom-and-pop audience, but his next step is a Marvel superhero movie called Guardians of the Galaxy. 
It's a weird choice. I think they might be doing some of the more obscure, bizarre picks too soon in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. fighting for but in the future the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all Across the stars to defend our world. We are a generation commanded by fate to defend humankind. Everyone fights, no one quits. All right, uh, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, Bless dir- you. Yes, <laughs> Paul Verhoeven, uh, a director uh, whose style is kind of unmistakable in that it's very in-your-face, very aggressive, typically very violent, typically very sexual, and incapable of subtlety in any kind of way. Uh, I find most of his films to be a love or hate experience. Uh, And so it was that we came to speak about Starship Troopers, which is based on a novel by Robert A. Heinlein, and uh, is clearly sort of pretending to be a propaganda movie. Yeah, It's very much... uh, you know, we we see a lot of media, we see a lot of militaries sort of composed in the most positive light, even in spite of the violence. Yeah, the rounded so blatantly there, and <laughs> so it's ridiculous that you're yeah. even looking at it. Uh, the world that we're introduced to is uh, many, many years in our future. Uh, we are at war with an, a, a race of insects in mm-hmm. outer space that are capable of hurling meteorites at planet Earth. Uh, we were able to come up with some meteorite defense system in the interim, and we are building armies on planet Earth to go fight the uh, insect menace. And we are introduced to Johnny Rico and his uh, band of uh, buddies as they are first enlisted and eventually go to the front lines of the insect war. Jared Barry, what did you think of Starship Troopers? It was... It's, it's weird, because movies are hard to make. But I feel like this was like a castration of like what a film you know could be with like money and effort, and then it was just it was awful. It was the worst. <laughs> I can't defend this movie. I like aside from some you know you know boobies and violence, which you know I, I mean I'm not saying I'm you know beneath loving those things. Uh, on occasion, you know, they had some good kills. It had some good kills. I guess that's my one positive. Right. Like, the rest of the movie was terrible. Uh, I mean, I feel bad because they had some actual decent actors and they had some atrocious actors. Yeah. And you smushed them together in this ridiculous, ridiculous plot. And. Fuck. <laughs> it just it makes me up so upset. I'm I'm of two minds of the film Starship Troopers because the first time I watched that movie, I reacted exactly the same way you did. Is in that this is an empty piece of like bombastic violence that mm-hmm. is just there's nothing to hang my hat on here, and it's so in your face and aggressive as to be exhausting almost. Um, and the casting of <laughs> Casper Van Dien and uh, Jake Busey, 
Yeah. And uh, what's his name? Doogie Howser. <laughs> Neil, uh, Patrick Neil Patrick Harris. Harris. Yeah. And, of course, our, our leading lady, uh, Denise Richards. Uh, I almost cynically think that they deliberately cast the leads to be kind of empty vessels. But, like, who's the main character who plays uh, Johnny Rico in this? Casper Van Casper Van He is a Dolph Lundgren-looking motherfucker. <laughs> like, he... They he kind of has He's this a, Aryan quality to him that freaks me very out. Very deliberate, and there the, is, oh, their uniforms—the gray Nazi—very deliberate. All of the newscasts and all of the like, uh, you know, pushing the war effort. You know, uh, you know, sign up with Jesus Uncle Sam. Uh, the satire there was obvious, obvious, but, it was uh, almost aggressive, like every other thing. It you was know? forcing uh, it down your throat. You know, we're not just going to have a, 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 a lot of gratuitous nudity in a locker room. We've seen, we're going to have a men's and women's locker room, so we can split the difference for you, you know. Yeah. We're not going to have a little bit of blood and gore. We're going to see people ripped into pieces, mm -hmm. screaming and dying many, 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 many times. Um, but yeah, I was going, going back to the cast. Most of our leads, like I say, um, they are types. And they look very airy, and I especially like oh, Neil Jake, Patrick Harris. Jake Crazy Stare Busey, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris, and Casper Van Dien look like they could be in a Nazi propaganda. Well, film. Neil Patrick Harris is literally wearing like the SS like coat. Yeah, like the, 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 the Hitler's Reich would have a hard time hiding their erection looking at these <laughs> three <this> movies. <laughs> um, so I, I think that they were cast deliberately that that way, um, and uh, Denise. Richards, Richards. <laughs> um, wow, girl! I her expression just does not change. I think there's no. one scene in the movie when she's actually got an insect spike uh, uh, talon through her shoulder, yeah. where I actually saw an expression of pain on her face. But she just found out her grades, and if she's getting into the academy, that she really wants to. That's one expression. Yeah, she tells. Her boyfriend that she loves him. Same expression. <laughs> she tells a boyfriend she's going to leave him. Same expression. She sees thousands of people die in a spaceship in front of her on a view screen. Same expression. That's just an everyday thing for her, you know? <laughs> I want to... Is Verhoeven a genius, though, Jared? No. It's my question to you because these guys are like automatons. They're ants. They're mindlessly, like, completely over-the-top gonzo for their cause. Um, Johnny Rico has the added, uh, you know, thing where his family was destroyed in a meteor attack, so he has a personal, you know, stake in it. But all of these people are, you know, gung-ho, rah-rah, let's go to war, let's kill those bugs. And there's footage on the screen of them talking about how people find the idea of a bug that can think offensive. The hive mind of the aliens, when sort of compared to the hive mind presented in this m militaristic future... There's smart stuff in the midst of all the stupidity, is what I'm saying, if that was deliberate. And I think that the fact that they all of the casting is like that makes me believe that it is. And they sort of saved their, their flashy casting for the smaller roles, unfortunately. Because I fucking love Michael Ironside, who yeah. I worked with once upon a time. And uh, Jerry Award-winning actor Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown's gonna be the goon, hopefully. Uh, you know, uh, and... When they show up, there's all of a sudden some real gas in the tank of this movie. Yeah. Uh, but 
the first hour of this movie where, where they're leading up to them getting into the war and going through their training is like one, it's like 50% completely taxing and 50% kind of smart. Now, I think in the end, the bad is going to outweigh the good for me here, but this is an interesting movie in some ways. The, it's aggressively stupid, and yet I can see that there is something there, you know? Uh, and I don't get that out of all of Verhoeven's film. This is the guy who would go on to do Basic Instinct and Showgirls, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's my evidence to submit for this, is you look at this movie, and then you look at those other ones. And but he also did Total Recall. And he also, the, the Schwarzenegger totally yeah. well, of course. Um, and he also did Robocop, which had a very satirical bend to it as well, especially when it came to the One media. in ten. You're, <laughs> if, uh, statistically, you have to get at least one in ten mm-hmm. movies right in some fashion. It, I mean, it sounds like I'm defending the movie more than I should be. Uh, and I'm just saying. <laughs> you're just saying you loved it. when you when you watch a Verhoeven film, you're guaranteed a lot of gratuitous violence, a lot of gratuitous nudity, and you're not guaranteed any brains. Believe it or not, somewhere beneath the muck and guts of this movie, there's a little bit of brains. It's still going mm. to rank very low on the list for me, but I can't outright dismiss it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one problem with the story. Uh, oh, just one. Okay. Just, just the, ridic- the the of the story plot itself. We have Denise Richards break up with him. Yes, uh, and that is sad. And mm-hmm. he's going through something, and he ends up hooking up with this really hot uh, redhead who has just been like gunning for him for like his whole years. life. She's or, dedicated just, her entire just, life to loving Johnny Rico. Jesus, she is well put together. This is like <laughs> this is like how can you have been friends with somebody and this has just not crossed your mind before? <laughs> <laughs> like it's ridiculous. But he gets together with her, and then you know what they do? They kill her, and of it's course. sad. Yes. And everyone's supposed to feel sad, but then they have the whole thing about him and Denise Richards getting back together. No. <laughs> they have a little bit of a mislead where you think that maybe her ship exploded right. in space. That is where you leave Denise Richards' corpse <laughs> in that movie. I thought it was hilarious that Rico briefly thought she was dead because a few scenes before that, she thought Rico had died on the planet, right? It was the same scene reversed. It was the same scene reversed. It's just like you just assumed the other was dead. <laughs> but to get back with her near the end in the whole thing, I will. I love the brain sucking through the guy's head. Yes, I uh, did want to talk about Patrick Muldoon getting his oh, brain slipped by the brain button. That was cool. Like the, <laughs> great the violence, scene. the violence great is great, <laughs> and I like the idea. But like the thing is, it's too. It's like I know it was supposed to be like oh satire, and they re- represent the Nazis, but on a certain level. You're cheering for these characters that you have to. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones relatable to you in any way, even though they're ridiculous and this backwards-ass cause. Whatever. But, like, you go into this and it's like, when you feel bad for the the big bug brain that is their prize (laughs) trophy, at the end it's finding, like, the top Nazi scientist slash war criminal that you guys have been searching for, like, number three on the list next to Hitler. Like, that's how they treat it at the end. And yet... I felt terrible for that thing. <laughs> I don't want to feel terrible for what, like, I really believe to be, like, the Osama Bin Laden of their movie. <laughs> but again, I don't think they're Osama Bin Laden. There's, 
there's very, very small things said about, you know, that we instigated the war when we violated their space. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, they I, I get up, it. But the they the bugs are doing end. exactly to us what we're doing to them. They're catching bugs to learn how to better destroy them. He's catching people to get the information out of their brain to learn how to better defend themselves. And he has a hive of mindless killers that he sends out to do his dirty work, just like the human race does. See, and that's the thing. is like They, they mention that's the subtlest part of the movie in a movie that is blaringly loud yeah. in any moment. It's like they try and be like, oh, well, maybe we started it. And then it's like, titties! Yeah. I do think if they actually like just if they calm the, the fuck throttle, down for like they a goddamn the throttle a little oh. bit because and that's true again yeah. of all Verhoeven's movies they all tend to be just over two hours long and they're just relentless Ramps. They're, yeah. oh it's like the whole movie is coked it's, up or something it's like, it's <laughs> like, that's the other thing and that's why I don't think it's a great thing is I literally feel like it was some producer's nephew who was jacked on coke at a party one time was like hey so there's these guys and sort of like you know we're the Nazis and we go into space and the, that's what I thought this movie came from. Right. I know it was based on a novel, apparently. I've but, never read the book. I don't know if that element is in but, the book but, or not. But this movie felt like some producer's nephew who wants to be a director and has a nasty nose candy problem. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, if you like, it's a big cool. budget, large scale violence. You're gonna get a lot of that in this movie. There's uh, like uh, a few. Uh, like a band of 60 marines that face off against thousands of bugs yeah. in this the bugs, siege sequence. The bugs are cool. And uh, as a siege suit, like an Alamo with bugs, you know, it, it, it worked well enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want mindless action, this is mindless action. I do think that they sowed some seeds deep in there of brains, uh, but this is a loud circus of a movie, uh, and uh, it's work to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I can't, like I say, I dismiss it either. No more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. This time, they're right. Six students won't just question authority. They'll have to destroy it. So how's this for an interesting marriage? Uh, Kevin Williamson, who at the time was hot off of Scream 1 and 2, I believe, mm -hmm. um, and had started the was his TV show. I want to say Party of Five, but I could be wrong. Do, 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 do. <laughs> One of those cheesy 90s TV shows that I happily managed to miss. Uh, anyway, after Scream, anything that he wrote, either before Scream or, or since, was hot property in Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, the marriage between Kevin Williamson and Robert Rodriguez, who had recently made a splash in indie movies with El Mariachi, had gone Hollywood with Desperado and the Quentin Tarantino sc screenplay uh, From Dust Till Dawn, which was uh, George Clooney's yep. first starring role, interestingly. Was, yeah, ER before that, hey? Just... Yeah, but in a movie, I think that was his that was first, first movie role, yeah. yeah. Um, so you got a, a very energetic, young Mexican filmmaker who sort of specializes in uh, bringing the red, mm -hmm. and you've got a hip, young screenwriter. And the Hollywood producer factory put these two guys together, cynically believing 
that this was the permutation to box office gold. And they were correct. Mm-hmm. The suits got it right this time. <laughs> they, the, sometimes the statistics and the calculations work. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Williamson is all about sort of uh, disassembling the horror genre as he does it. Uh, the Scream movies, most famously. Yeah. Uh, talk about slasher movies while being slasher movies. And this it's movie. Sort of the Tarantino of yeah. horror films, you know? Yeah, and uh, this is definitely. Influenced by that as far as embracing pop culture. Uh, It's a double-edged sword in that it keeps you cool and hip when the movie's fresh. Yeah. But as the movie ages, it becomes more and more dated. So far, this one is not too, too dog-eared, but give it more time. (laughs) Um, We have another sort of invasion of the body snatchers kind of vibe happening in this alien invasion. Uh, This time, the creatures are all water-based. Water-based, Squid-like. They look like tiny little squid-crayfish combos yeah. uh, when they first hit the ground. But once they get into people, uh, you're one of them. And you keep and implanting others. Just like uh, just like the previous uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie. And Slither. Is, and Slither. Each day that goes by, uh, more and more people are working for the working aliens. For it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun, energetic... Uh, teen-oriented, but I think enjoyable for all ages, oh, yeah. uh, sci-fi thriller. What did you think of The Faculty, Jim? I love The Faculty. <laughs> I have always loved The Faculty. It's it's one of those uh, sleepover movies that everyone used to have. We were like, you know, we go over to friends and be like, hey, what do you want to watch? And when The Faculty was always on the list, it was so often people would want that movie, and I thought that was interesting because most of the time... It was like things like Dumb and Dumber mm-hmm. and these other things, but this is one of the sci-fi horror movies, um, you know, that for what it was had a lot of respect from like you know people in my generation, and I was like, you know, like I'm not going to go as far as to say it was my Goonies, but <laughs> but you know, it's it's sort of up there with nostalgia for sure. Um, it, and we do see familiar sort of things as far as it's a group of kids who are hanging out together who really don't seem to have anything the in common. The Breakfast Club yeah, of I was going to say that. This is like the Breakfast Club versus the Body Snatchers is what we're presented yeah. with here. Uh, all of the kids who are introduced in the flashy opening as the types, you know. So your your badass, the Judd Nelson character here would be... The re- Tweaker. Yeah, was represented by uh, the, the Tweaker, who's uh, Josh, uh, Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. I believe this was his first big movie mm-hmm. um Clea Duvall is kind of the outsider strange chick right yeah um there's the the girl who's new to town has got a funny southern accent um you know Elijah Wood is the bug-eyed nerd kid yeah and, you know a pre-Lord a of the Rings eyes, Elijah yeah. Wood um you know uh all of the kids are types. There's the jock kid, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's the the driven hottie who treats people like shit. Shit, the cheerleader. Absolutely. This is this is the Breakfast Club. But in horror movies, you can paint in broad strokes. And even though these are all types, we've got a good cast of actors playing them. We know these characters quickly. We like these characters quickly. We're on their side. And even the teachers, uh, some of our the best in the cast were oh, yeah. those who played. BB Newworth, great uh, great actress of stage and most famously known as Lilith from the old uh, Cheers sitcom. Oh yeah. Um, what's his name from Terminator Two? T one thousand. I don't I remember, remember his name. His name. Robert Patrick. Good. Robert Patrick. Yeah, Robert, Robert Patrick. Patrick. You are correct. Uh, Famkit Johansson, uh, and of course John Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
showing up as the science teacher. Uh, that, uh, was great great cast. Like, that was a great cast. That was it was and it was so fun and seeing that cast and also the fact that we see them still today and that and for the most part all of them are still very relevant and in movies and things like that, which, you know, for Hollywood it's rare to have like an entire cast that keeps yeah. skyrocketing, but it's like, you know, it's it's funny, it was enjoyable. It was just a solid movie. And Robert Rodriguez I would say this is his best movie. Yeah. Um, this is the one that seems the most coherent because the Desperado and El Mariachi franchise got a little dicey um, story-wise, and you know I didn't really care for his kids' flicks. Uh-huh. Um, and but I think that uh, this one was really well done, and he has such a great way of putting visual elements into horror and action. Yeah. The man can do an amazing action sequence. Um, yeah. I don't know how great a screenwriter he is, but uh, he makes good, fun popcorn movies. Yeah. As I'm saying, like if we're looking for our generation's carpenter, Rodriguez is probably as close as we have. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, he'll do anything, like you say. He'll do kids' movies for this one. I think that he was probably feeling a little bit more restrained when he was making The Faculty. Again, he was early in his career. Uh, Desperado and From Dust Till Dawn did money, but they weren't like yeah huge. They weren't guaranteeing him a Hollywood career. Yeah. Now he's got his own studios and he makes his Sin City movies and his Machete movies, and they're superficial, violent. You know, well they are what they are films. Um, But this is what we see when Rodriguez has a real script to work with. Mm -hmm. And, And yeah, like Kevin Williamson's very hip, very referential, and it's familiar ground for him, but. I still love some of the brilliant inversions that he manages to put into this. And the kids do talk about, you know, okay, in movies that are like this, what do people do? Yeah. They reference it. Whereas you never see the zombie movie where the people start talking about zombie movies. You never <laughs> say the Zen word. Yeah. yeah, they don't even, they, they won't deign to say the word zombie. No, it they're affected. cheapens it. Yeah, it's, and, that's, and that is one thing that really pissed me off in the faculty was the fact that they, you know, were like, oh, well, in the body snatchers, and it's like, hey, we know it's from the genre. And I almost felt like this was like, we respect you, don't sue us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I felt like that might have been, I felt like oh, that might have been a thing again, for this. it's a template, the takeover, there's the puppet masters, like, this is sort of like a, a sub, sub-genre of invasion movies. Yeah. But going back to what I was saying as far as, like, great inversions that happen, there's a sequence where we find... Uh, we find out one of the students is sort of the big bad of the aliens, <gasps> yeah. and she can turn into the monster or back. And there's a sequence where a couple of characters are being chased through a building by a naked woman. Very attractive. Uh, yeah, Very attractive naked like woman. Like the reversal of, of every other horror movie where there's a scantily clad woman running away from the dude with the dagger. In this movie, we got the naked woman chasing them. <laughs> Which is funny because they also build up the fact that she's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, teenage boys running away from this is yeah. just comical. Um, and again, the screenplay is well handled in that... I mean, I was much younger when I saw it. Maybe if I saw it with my older eyes, I would have paid. I did not call who the big bad was in the movie when I first watched it. I was I, I was pretty convinced it was somebody else. When, when it's I funny. It. I, I thought it was her, but it was just on the basis that I don't trust the South. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, there's very little of the movie that doesn't work. 
It's efficient. It's like 96 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's violent, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's gonna, not ludicrous. It's not going to hit anyone's gag reflex. Um, well, and that's why I do think it was Rodriguez's best because I think it's like, you know, uh, yeah, he was in another studio and maybe people had a little bit more of a rein in on him. But when you have a script to work with and maybe people holding you back from just you're doing your nonsensical whims, <laughs> they, you know, maybe that's a good thing on occasion. I get the feeling with Rodriguez that he's a wouldn't it be cool if director. Yeah. He'll get there on the day and then he'll be like, wouldn't it be cool if... if <laughs> as you had like all the storyboards for it at one point in time and then the artist just goes off and he's just crying because he and, can't... And you know, sometimes you'll create gold with that and sometimes you'll, you know, you're going to lose a day of production. Yeah. Uh, and I think in this one, you know, him efficiently working with a, a quick script with an able young cast works pretty much entirely. I mean, I don't think it reaches the grander levels of some of the movies we've talked about mm-hmm. earlier, but uh, it's good at being what it is. Um, and although it's a funny movie and it's got that winky script, uh, it works as a thriller. Yeah. Uh, so The only fucked up thing was Josh Hartnett's haircut. <laughs> no, it was badass, man. It was. I know they were like, oh, he's abandoned, so we're going to have, like, you know, make it look like he cuts his own hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is too much. Well, I mean, again, I've said before to you, I believe, that I'm not going to give a thumbs down to a movie on the basis of a haircut. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, whatever. Fashions come and go. Uh, I don't think that the 90s overall were a great time for uh, movies in general. Yeah. But especially to, for a movie this solid to come out of the Hollywood machine. Was, I, yeah. It was, you don't get it that often, no. so people should enjoy it. And I do think that it's not as recognized as some of Kevin Williamson's other stuff is. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not going to oversell Williamson either. He's, he's written some bad movies as well, but uh, in the, he kind of owned the mid to late 90s. And um, as good as, you know, the screen movies are fun and enjoyable and mm-hmm. all that, I think Faculty, it goes blow for blow with them. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. He's doing the same thing in a different genre. Yeah, I've always but watched Faculty right. over yeah. those. Yeah, it works. Yeah. six movies reviewed so now it's time to rank the they came from space sci-fi horror uh i can't wait to hear it uh, what was your least favorite of these six movies and why um would you believe it or not event horizon is my bottom hit lister. Rock bottom huh? hit my rock bottom um i there was concepts that i liked um but overall i just i hated hated the movie and there is and that was sort of a tough choice at some point, but I was like, I think I would have taken, you know, uh, some of my other least favorite ones, you know, over it. It's just, it wasn't good. The sets and the spikes just couldn't get by them. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five. Uh, Starship Troopers. I don't think that needs defending <laughs> on the list. I think it was a terrible movie, 
but the violence was pretty fantastic. Maybe a sound off movie. Yeah, it's a sound off movie. Yeah, exactly. It's the one that I'll like. I'll make breakfast to while listening to my iPod. It's watching terrible violence from bugs and people dressed up like Nazis in space. You know. Fair enough. All right. Uh, on the next one we have is the faculty, which surprised me because my love affair for this movie. It is huge and right. it goes real deep, but I still, I still think that uh, just where it ended up having to be on my list, and that's a hard thing for me to say. I actually was going to put it up there in at least the top two initially. Right. I thought, but when I rewatched him, I just couldn't hack it. Um, uh, after that, we have Slither, which once again was a hard one for me. <laughs> Uh, for the exact same reasons as the faculty, those were the, these are the ones that I consistently will still put in the DVD player and watch just when I'm you know whatever I'll watch these a couple times a year, but some of these other movies you know I'll see maybe once a year, once every couple of years, and but uh, it just had to be there. So I don't know. Uh, my number two is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, it was creepy when I was a kid and I saw it for the first time mm -hmm. and, uh, watching it again, it was still creepy. And for what it was at that time, especially it was, you know, it, it would have been magnificent to see, like actually go to a theater and be terrified and like that sort of thing. So it definitely falls in number two. Uh, my number one though is alien. Uh, I feel like that one was just overall one of the strongest movies I've ever seen. A fairly uh, hard to argue against pick. It's it's like a it's considered a classic for a lot of good reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that the the size of the greatness of Alien can be judged by the size of my disappointment with Prometheus. Yeah, but that may be a conversation for another day. <laughs> oh, Jared, brother, we are so close. We are so close. We switch slender. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna. You're gonna be. You're gonna be pissed off. I'm gonna be pissed off. This might be the first time we get thrown out and fight over the <laughs> ranking review. Uh, I, I mean, this is you know, personal list. You know, okay. uh, um, and a lot of time when I get down to the, the to the you know ranking them, I like if I can't decide, I go with well, who, what do I think the most people would like? And every now and then, my personal preference will just trump it. Uh, I think of. The Frighteners. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, ranked I love that, that movie. I, I love that movie too. I ranked it very high in the horror comedy when I when we did the rank and review. But it's personal to me. I know most people, even people who like The Frighteners, don't like it as, as much, much as, as I do. do. But so be it. Anyway, here's my rank and review. Please try and withhold your rage. <laughs> Number six. I agree. Event Horizon. No way. Uh, well. I mean, like, I think the concept was there. I think that it just needed another couple of passes on that screenplay. Uh, There's a couple of good set pieces, some good kills, but uh, I just wasn't feeling the movie. I just didn't feel emotionally engaged by it, didn't, didn't connect with me fully. Uh, it's potential unrealized to me. Uh, number five, Starship Troopers. I agree. All right, two for two. Wonderful scale of like violence uh, and you know excessiveness, and the Nazi propaganda angle works. I think the fact that it's over two hours hurts it, and the fact that a lot of the leads they could have just you know put in mannequins and overdubbed <laughs> a, a dialogue for some of those performances. But again, part of me thinks that might have even been a deliberate choice. 
And if so, it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> but not so brilliant as to rank any farther than number five in this list. Number four is The Faculty. I agree. Uh, it, it hurts to rank it that low, but I think that... Uh, it doesn't bring as much new to the table as Slither does. Yeah, that's... I think both of them uh, borrow from genres and both of them add a little, their own little wrinkle mm-hmm. to it. But the faculty is riffing on that same sort of nerve that, yeah. that Scream did. It was much more familiar territory for the for for, for Williamson. Um, and it's a, I recommend the movie. I mean, people should see it, but that's where it fell on the list, number four. Number three, I agree again. Is Slither? <laughs> no way! <laughs> yes, I, I. Again, the ick factor is high. The laugh factor is high. It's got a unique sensibility. It's so weird and dark that I could have almost believed that it was a Canadian independent film at times. Uh, um, but uh, a lot of fun to be had there. Fairly unique, and a lot of people missed this one. So if you haven't seen it, uh, do check it out. I put you alien. son of a bitch. I put Alien at number two. What? No! <laughs> it's just, okay, well, I'll let you go, I, and I, then we'll scrap about this. I love Alien. I do love I know. Alien. I, um, it is a classic film. It's got a lot of classic moments in it. Great cast. We didn't talk about Ian Holm as the, as the robot so when we did the review. Fucking amazing performance. So There's nice. nothing not good uh, about uh, about Alien. But but, but, but. Uh, it's also uh, it's sung to the praises. Like I say, everybody has seen and everybody loves Alien. Yeah. To tell everyone to reason. go see Alien is whatever. I think the reason I give Invasion of the Body Snatchers number mm. one is that I think it's a little bit unsung. I think that it's a movie that that you know. Needs more people to see it. I, I love the paranoid vibe. I love that it takes its time. I love the the young performance out of uh, Jeff Goldblum. I love Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and, He's so good. Uh, just the, the creepiness, the way it spirals out of shape. The the whole epic tragic arc of the entire movie is is horrifying and weirdly moving to me. I think Donald Sutherland is fucking fantastic. I love him and his mustache. Um, Look, I think both Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978, and Alien are classic, classic in their genre. Oh. And I wanted to, I wanted to sell Body Snatchers to some more people out there. And I honestly think if it's a desert island movie, and if I had to, for some reason, choose between those two, I've seen Alien enough times; it's almost imprinted in my brain. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know, something about Body Snatchers really spoke to me. And at a young age, too, even when I was scared of it, I also was very engaged of it. It's a different kind of horror movie, and it's a rare treat. We'll often see people walking down dark corridors waiting for a monster to pounce on them. We don't often get the stakes and the paranoia and the broken love story that we do in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And... Uh, I knew it would be a controversial pick. Sometimes, sometimes you got to kill your darlings, like when I rank Ghostbusters number four in a list, which just seemed crazy, mm-hmm. but that's where it fell. Uh, and for me, this time, with the sci-fi horror, oh, I went number one that's, for Invasion yeah, but, of the Oh, we were so close. <laughs> so, so close. So close. But the <laughs> so thing is, too, is like, I feel like you're wrong. <laughs> you do think I I'm do. legitimately wrong. I feel <laughs> like you're legitimately wrong in this situation. <laughs> Okay. And I want to apologize to me now. No, but like, okay, you have to get... 
Is it because of the cat at the end? I know you hated that cat. No, it's it's not because of the cat necessarily. Like I say, I love the shit out of both of these Is it movies. just because you want more people to see Body Snatchers? I think just personally, at the end of the day, for me, I think I like Body Snatchers just slightly, slightly, wow. slightly more. Uh, no, it's awesome It didn't film. break as much new ground as Alien did. It's yeah. not as you know, has full of those classic, you know, chest-bursting moments. It, mm-hmm. it didn't redefine the genre in the way that, that Alien did. And then, and that's sort of what makes Alien the classic that it, that it, that it is. But the, I think that Body Snatchers was, in its way, perfectly handled. Um, and it's a movie that respects its audience in a lot of ways, you know. God damn it. <laughs> so close. I wanted to see what this prize was. Just one time. I'm sorry. That's I, why I keep watching these, and this is my third. It's like I wrote down my list beforehand, so it's here. There's evidence. I, I want wasn't, proof. I wasn't cheating. I'm gonna be, you That's probably had a couple different ones stored away in your Chris Angel mind fucking me right now. Your reward is that uh, should you choose, you'll be welcome to come back for round four. Oh, <laughs> round four. Oh, I will. <laughs> I'm I'm determined that one day ours will match up perfectly. So close. Six for six is not an easy thing to do. No, but like that's so pretty. Close. I mean, but the last one too, we were decently close because I screwed up the other one, so we were still just one off. Right. And I was like, and I was like, well, that makes sense. Like one off, and I was like, okay, well, this one, yeah. But when you're like holding your rage, I was like. <laughs> I'm like, okay, which, I'm like, either you're you're swapping Slither faculty or Body Snatchers and Alien. And when I I realized that you had the faculty, I was like, fuck (laughs) you, Larry. (laughs) Fuck you. I realized it would be controversial. <laughs> I realized it would. And the fact that that was the only place that we, we, we disagreed is kind of an ouch. But uh, I love me some Body Oh, snatches. that was fun, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Jerry's. This is it. Um, we uh, came up with the nominees together, but this is your episode, Jared, so you get to declare the winners. Our first category in this evening's Jerry's are What the Fuck Moments, our WTF Award. And our nominees are the human faced dog from Body Snatchers that causes uh, one of our characters to break their cover because it's uh, pretty disturbing to see that. Um, also from Body Snatchers, Donald Sutherland smashing his own pod creature. This, the, the image of himself being bashed to pieces with a, a hoe. Lovely stuff. Um, the impregnated woman in Slither who is ballooned out to the size of a barn. <laughs> uh, and the, the zombie deer attack in Slither, which happens in the, yeah. the police station. Um John Stewart's uh, death sequence in The Faculty. He's a, at first a friendly teacher, but when he turns, uh, he's forced to be dealt with in a rather extreme ways. Fingers get chopped off, his eyeball gets punctured. It's, it's fun for the whole family. It's a messy goo. <laughs> of course, the classic sequence in Alien in which uh, John Hurt's chest explodes and mm. Alien pops forth from within. <laughs> Um, the hot for teacher 
angle in faculty. That's such a good one. Where Josh Hartnett has got a, kind of a cr- mutual crush. A mutual on his, crush. Uh, it's very mutual. That's what's creepy about it. <laughs> and uh, then we've got a Rooker double nomination here um, for when uh, Rooker is uh, impregnating people with the weird tentacles coming out of his belly. And, and I also wanted to give a note for the assimilation sequence where we keep seeing people coming up to the Rooker monster and just sort of being absorbed into this big globby gelatinous thing. Yeah. Two pretty what-the-fuck moments also from Slither. So we've got nine nominations there, and you are the one who's forced to give the award. I have to kind of double-check the list Absolutely. here. There's nine, that's a lot. <laughs> um, Drum roll. Oh, you know, it's it was... It really does go between uh, Donald Sutherland bashing his own head in mm-hmm. um, and the dog hobo face. That's so either way, Invasion of the Body Snatchers it is, is it the best what the fuck moment. Best what the fuck moment. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to the dog one because I know it's the dog in a mask, but as it walked on screen when I just watched this the last time... <laughs> It was a weird thing. It was it was weird. The it, it fucked me up to see him bashing his own head in, but I feel like that I understood and could have seen coming. That uh, was messed up with the dog. Just to toot my own horn here, you picked the two moments from Invasion of the Body Snatchers and not the classic moment from Alien for your favorite what the fuck moment. Which one's credence I think to my Moving on. <laughs> The best deaths in this series of sci-fi horrors. Um, the brain sucker sucking the brain out of Patrick Muldoon, who uh, was the, got to play the love interest, or potential love interest, uh, to Denise Richards <laughs> in, in, the, in the, Starship Troopers. Uh, I think he did okay, considering he was acting against furniture. But uh, uh, his death is pretty impressive. Uh, Veronica Cartwright's very ugly... Dis- dispatchment in uh, Alien, where its tail basically jams up between her legs and splits her. It's like an anti-rape ad. Blech, no fun for her. And uh, yeah, we didn't like that. Uh, the teacher melting into a pile of goo in in the faculty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the family fun day massacre, as I call it, from Slither, where all the brain bugs get into a nice farm family, and uh, yeah. Much fun and horror ensues. And uh, a nomination for Event Horizon for Kathleen Quinlan, who uh, was the nice, sweet, uh, you know, mother character who has a just brutal fall in in Event Horizon. What a person looks like when they're smushed in every bone. (laughs) Ouch, ouch. Yeah, she's not getting up after that. Uh, What wins for best death for you? Oh, God. There were some legitimate awesome deaths in these (laughs) movies. And this seems ridiculous, but I'm going to go brain bug. Yeah. Because yeah. it was just, it was fun to watch a guy being turned into a sippy cup yeah. by a giant alien. I think fair honorable mention, he, they were, he was already nominated for What the Fuck, but John Hurt in Alien is also classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. The brain sucker death is hard to forget. It's, it's hard to so forget. so silly. And at risk of the guy who thinks all alien designs look like sex parts... Did that brain brain bug's mouth look a little bit like lady no. parts to you? Uh, yeah, it seemed very. Just, just we'll let the viewers watch the movie and decide for mm. themselves. Okay, uh, 
Best performance. I nominated Ian Holm, who we did not discuss in our lengthy review of Alien. He played the uh, sort of... Well, we, we find out he's actually a robot. A robot. Um, and he's, uh, you know, as such, his morals are, well, programmed. Yes. Uh, it's a really great performance and quite unsettling one. We discussed in the review of Slither that Elizabeth Banks did a really good job with a yeah. difficult role. Uh, a lot of special effects around her and kind of sort of, I mean, it works in the world of the script, but a lot of ridiculous and difficult dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Donald Sutherland, uh, heartbreaking performance, really, uh, in, in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, we've got two uh, already Jerry Award-winning actors nominated for their second time in this category. Uh, Clancy Brown as the drill star sergeant in Starship Troopers. Yeah, uh, it was easy for him to stand out because there's not a lot of the actors on set. No, but it's Sean. <laughs> uh, Jeff Goldblum supporting work in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <sighs> Jeff Goldblum is already, of course, a Jerry Award-winning actor for his work in The Fly, and of course Sigourney Weaver for her much-loved role as originating the role of Ripley, yeah. which she would return to four more times. Mm -hmm. Maybe she should have quit after two, but she returns to... <laughs> and there's now in every other alien movie. <laughs> Who gave the best performance, brother? Uh, alien Ian Holm. Ian Holm. Yeah. Nice. Bill uh, Baggins himself. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was awesome. Uh, there were so many awesome performances, and I wanted to give it to Jeff Goldblum or Donald Sutherland, but... I just huh? he was solid. This is yours, and I can't I can't really put up a really good defense against so it. proof that Alien <laughs> was the superior of the movie. Oh well, but with with Donald Sutherland and Jeff Goldblum combined, I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, best scare of these science fiction horror films. Um, I love the moment when you know. We believe Sigourney Weaver's safe, and then we realize she's not because it's going on too long. <laughs> yeah. And she looks into that little compartment that's full of pipes and wiring, and, and the alien's right there, knows. and we don't even see it until it starts to move. And there's this sort of strobe just <sighs> illuminating it. Fucking great moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is a scary, scary moment. Um, the opening sequence in the faculty involving largely B.B. Newworth seeing some. Uh, alien stuff trying to escape it and uh, getting a pencil shoved through her hand. Mm -hmm. um, good times. Good times. Um, the, the flight from the city in the body snatchers when uh, the crowds of people just turn on them suddenly and we hear those screeches yeah. sort of overlapping and they realize the scale of their adversary. Every night that goes by their situation becomes more impossible and that's where you know the worm has turned. Uh, also from the Body Snatchers, uh, it's kind of a spoiler, but anyone who's seen the movie will know what I what I mean when I say the final Body Snatchers scream mm -hmm. in Body Snatchers. Yeah, really great stuff. And the face hugger pounces the first time we see the alien in uh, yeah. Alien. Uh, John Hurt's looking right into that uh, pod. I mean, what's this now? <laughs> and out it comes right through his his helmet. Yeah. Good times. What was the best scare for you? Ah, oh, this one's hard and goes back to our number one, two movies. It's like the the final scream in Body Snatchers. Awesome, but the uh, 
Alien in the Overhead in Aliens, uh, just in the compartment. Uh, when I watched that again, I was terrified. I was I was dreading everything. Fantastic design. Fantastic, on that and it and it fit in with the ship. It has like natural camouflage. It is amazing. Um, so now, for the second time ever in the history of the Jerry's, we have an award in which all of the nominations come from the same film. So we're going to award the worst performance. And your nominees all come from Starship Troopers. And they are <laughs> Casper Van Dien, Denise Richards, Neil Patrick Harris. I'm sorry, guys, but he's pretty flat in this movie. Uh, Jake Busey. And I guess he's just being Jake Busey. He's just being Jake. He's, God, he's, he's, he's pistol whipping a blind kid. <laughs> And Dina Mayer, who I, I think is the closest thing to an actor of the bunch. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> she didn't have a lot to work with. Did not have a lot to do. Uh, who was the worst? Denise Richards. You think so? Denise Richards. Yeah. yeah. Everyone Casper least... Van Dien gave her a run for her money. I was, <laughs> was going to say, but at least I believe that he put effort into it. He, he was able to look angry in certain scenes when it was appropriate. I, I once saw emotions in his <laughs> mouth, and I feel like with her, it was like she was staring into a mirror of herself and got lost there, and just sort of was saying it in this weird trance. It was, the, Denise Richards is stabbed through her shoulder blade, and she's walking around carrying a gun and swinging her arm around like nothing. She's She doesn't even remember that her character was supposed to be wounded, I don't think. I, Everybody else who gets hit by the bugs seems to actually scream and cry and bleed, but that might have been <laughs> tough to ask. Yeah, I'm sorry, awful. Denise Richards fans out there, but uh, I did not think that this I'll was... I'll watch your sex tape. <laughs> she has a sex tape? I, I don't know. I'm going to rank and review sex tapes. On <laughs> <laughs> All right, and very quickly in our last Jerry, and thank you again for coming back, Jerry. Oh, no worries. Um, I had to beat Jerry. We got four quick nominations <laughs> for uh, Best Lines. I've got We're Itchy, the uh, twins mm -hmm. from Slither. Uh, this is going to jack you up. Yeah. Uh, climactic moment in faculty. Um, can you hand me some of that possum <laughs> from Slither? <laughs> the, uh, the impregnated woman who uh, is eating raw meat and animals to feed the thousands of worms that are gestating inside her. And then we nominated almost every line of Jeff Goldblum in The Body Snatchers, who once again just somehow manages to steal every every scene that he if, is in. If at all possible, I would kill to see a Jeff Goldblum one-man show <laughs> of nothing but him for like three hours doing monologues. And so, that being said, I feel like he wins best lines. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is a two-time Jerry Award-winning actor. He shares this distinction with only one other person. Do you remember who that is? Our boy Michael Eklund. It all comes back to Eklund. It all though. comes back to Eklund. <laughs> They'll have a face-off today one day. Oh, can you imagine if they could have children? Oh my god. god. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a bunch, You bet. And there we have it. That is sci-fi scares, and uh, that is a subject that we will be returning to because there are plenty of great movies on the subjects of aliens coming from outer space, not with friendly intentions. Uh, if you would like to write me and let me know your outrage in me ranking aliens so low on the list, 
or any other questions or concerns, you're welcome to do so. You can do that at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W. My name's Larry Parsons. I'm your host and Random Canadian. And thank you guys so much for listening.